0: Hello ladies and gents, how's it going? My name is Paul DeWieland and this is the very first episode of the Year of Plenty podcast. From the raw ingredients to the many systems that supply our food, this podcast aims to cover it all. Our world is facing many challenges in the future, one of them being able to supply healthy and nutritious food to everyone. Especially in the Western world, food and drink is so accessible that it becomes easy to take this essential part of our lives for granted. My goal is to explore as much about food as possible because I believe that an intimate relationship with food and an understanding of how it comes to the table is one of the essential pillars for a healthy and satisfying life. Today's topic is about fats and oils that we use for cooking and other methods of food preparation. And I want you to realize that fat isn't just what we accumulate around our waist. When it comes to cooking, fats are an essential ingredient. So the oils and fats we use to cook with come from many different sources, such as plants and animals. When cooking, we usually find fats in two ways. Either they're oils, which are usually extracted from seeds, nuts, or fruits, and then on the other side, we have what we call fats, and uh, which are usually you know, animal-based, such as butter, tallow, or lard. So I have a short historical insight into the history of olive oil here. So one of the oldest living olive trees is in Bethlehem, and it's still alive today, it's estimated to be between four and five thousand years old. However, the use of olive oil is believed to predate this tree. Chemical analysis of ancient pottery uh, has revealed traces of olive oil as old as eight thousand years. That's insane, and uh, I'm a person who is super interested in you know the ancient cuisine and um, products that we use today that have been around forever in cooking. So I thought that was kind of cool. But why do we even use fats in the kitchen? So the main reason is to transfer heat to your food. Fat can do this at a higher heat than water. And uh, in addition, fats can add flavor, depending on what it's made of, and it brings out the fat soluble nutrients in the food you're cooking. Finally, it kind of acts as a lubricant. So in other words, it prevents your food from uh, sticking to the pan. Even though fats are essential in cooking, The problem with them is that they can become rancid. The most common way that a fat breaks down or goes rancid in the kitchen is through a process called oxidation. And this happens when the fat reacts with uh, oxygen. Oxidation causes rancidity at different rates. So the factors that influence the rate of oxidation besides the exposure to oxygen are as follows. Here they are. High temperature, light, and moisture, and even tiny microbes because You know, if you have contaminated oil, these tiny microbes can cause the fat to become rancid. The oxidation of a fat is accompanied by all flavors and odors, and what's worse, the whole process can even create free radicals, which are toxic. Basically, free radicals are waste products from various chemical reactions, and they build up in your body. And when they do build up, they can have very harmful effects on your body cells. So these free radicals can be found in food, in medicine, in the air we breathe, even in the water that we drink, and it's actually even a byproduct of metabolism. There is a lot of research suggesting that the damage from free radicals can or contributes to many chronic health problems that we have de- uh, these days, such as, you know, cardiovascular disease, inflammatory disease, as well as even cancer. And uh, therefore, it makes sense to minimize our exposure to these chemicals. Once fat becomes oxidized, and these free radicals are produced, the process can't be stopped, but it can be slowed down by choosing the right fats and oils and um, having different techniques to store the fat or oil properly. Of course, different fats will have unique properties. So there's a wide variety of fat available to add to your kitchen arsenal. But what I want you to realize is that not all fat is created equal. So to understand the difference in regard to oxidation and rancidity, we must look at uh, fat from a molecular level. All of the fats we use in the kitchens are considered triglycerides, which means they consist of three fatty acids uh, attached to a glycerol molecule. So the fats and oils that we use in the kitchen are made up of different ratios of unsaturated, and saturated fatty acids. The unsaturated fatty acids can be split up into monounsaturated, which are usually your olive oils and avocado oils, and polyunsaturated, which are usually found in most vegetable oils like canola oil and sunflower oil. What's important to know is that saturated fat and unsaturated fat differ in their chemical makeup. Due to their chemical makeup, saturated fats are much more stable and less prone to oxidation in comparison to unsaturated fats. If we relate this to cooking, the fats and oils that we use in the kitchen that are high in saturated fat are more protected from oxidation and therefore don't go rancid as fast and aren't damaged as fast as fats and oils high in unsaturated fatty acids. Now if you remember, earlier I told you that the oxidation of fat creates free radicals. And these free radicals can be detrimental to your health if they build up in your body. This is good to know because most of the unsaturated fats that we use in the kitchen um, obviously become oxidized fast, which means they also produce these free radicals a lot faster. And usually by the time you cook with these fats, uh, they're already very rich in these free radicals. And you're adding that to your food and then eventually they'll end up in your body. So it's really important that uh, you choose a good quality unsaturated fat. What's also kind of interesting to know is that oils and fats that are high in saturated fat, again, due to the chemical makeup, are solid at room temperatures. So like your butter or your uh, lard or your coconut oil, they're usually solid. On the other hand, uh, fats and oils that are high in unsaturated fats, which are usually most of the oils, are liquid at room temperature. So this is just kind of cool to know why your, you know, why your fats come in uh, different states, like why are some of them hard and why are some of them liquid. If you want a more detailed explanation on why saturated fats um, oxidize slower than unsaturated fats, uh, please visit our website at com. You'll find uh, this podcast with uh, the show notes and in the show notes I'll have a brief explanation on this topic and also I'll provide you with uh, two pictures of one a saturated fatty acid and an unsaturated fatty acid so you can kinda see the difference between them and hopefully hopefully it'll help you understand the chemistry behind it if you're interested in that kinda stuff alright so we talked about the oxidation of uh, different oils and fats now I wanna talk about the other thing that we have to consider when uh, shopping for oils and fats or when using them in the kitchen and that is the smoke point of the oil or fat. So have you ever cooked something too hot and, you know, the food started to burn and smoke heavily? Well, it was probably because the fat that you were using couldn't handle the heat. All fats have different smoke points. A smoke point is the—it's um, like the maximum temperature you want that fat to reach. Uh, if If the fat's exposed to temperatures higher than the smoke point, it'll start to burn and degrade and smoke heavily. At this point, your oil is broken down and the food is probably a goner. So I suggest to never cook with the oil or fat above its smoke point. You always want to keep it below. Cooking with uh, fat above its smoke point can actually create very off-putting smells and flavors, but it also produces the toxic-free radicals that we talked about earlier. What uh, you have to realize is that many healthy particles and oils break down way before the oil reaches its smoke point. That means that oils are also oxidized well before they reach their smoke point. So what was very confusing to me at the beginning when I was researching this uh, whole topic was that cooking oils or fats that are made of saturated fats such as butter, coconut oil, don't have a high smoke point. In fact, vegetable oils have a way higher smoke point, even uh, though they are made up of polyunsaturated fats and are therefore much more susceptible to oxidation. So I couldn't really wrap my head around this, but I found out that refined fats, which are the um, most of the vegetables, are usu- uh, usually have a higher smoke point than unrefined oils. And the reason for them having uh, higher smoke points is the refining process. So most unrefined fats and oils have uh, many healthy ingredients like, you know, enzymes, vitamins, and other antioxidants. Fats that still have a a lot of these components tend to produce smoke points or produce smoke at much lower temperatures. So these particles are removed during the refining process, which ultimately raises the oil smoke point. So even though many refined vegetable oils like uh, canola oil or sunflower oil have a very high smoke point, they lack many healthy components found in unrefined oils. That's because they've been purified through the refining process. What I want you to know is that some sources only provide the smoke point of the fats or oils, and they claim that that's the only thing that's important when considering uh, which fat or oil to use. Well, I don't agree with that. And uh, obviously the smoke point matters, but... We also got to look at the quality of the fat and how fast it oxidizes, or, or in other words, what ratios of unsaturated and saturated fats does the oil have. So as I said earlier, the refined fats have a much higher smoke point, which is a great benefit when it comes to cooking, because you can heat those fats or oils at much higher temperatures. Yet since the refining process to get that high smoke point itself requires such a great deal of heat There is an argument, a legitimate argument to be made that the process, the refining process itself already damages the oil. So that's just something to think about. Let's look at uh, different terms associated with oils Uh, and you usually don't find the animal-based fats in any refined state. Therefore, I'll focus on the different ways oils can be bought. There are many different terms you will find on the packings or packaging of oils. Usually it'll mention terms such as cold-pressed, unrefined, refined, or virgin. And all of them refer to how the oil was processed and extracted. First, I want you to know uh, that oils are extracted from the seed or fruit, uh, such as an olive. And for hundreds of years, the oil was harvested or extracted by pressing, literally physically pressing on the source that had the oil. There's are several ways to extract oil, but most oils are extracted with chemicals and high temperatures today. However, some refined oils are processed without chemicals, but they're still considered refined oil. Um, and then on the other side, there's oils that are processed mechanically that are still li- literally and physically pressed, and these are our unrefined oils. So first I want to talk about the chemically refined oils. There are many different kinds of you know, commercially available refined vegetable oils, including canola oil, rapeseed oil, uh, soybean oil, what else is there, corn oil, sunflower oil, safflower oil, peanut oil, you name it. These uh, refined cooking oils are, you know, created through an intensive physical and chemical process. And two of these steps in this chemically uh, refining process are bleaching and deodorization, which intend to remove natural color and odors, but they also remove odors that are produced by the refining process. As mentioned earlier, the goal of chemically refining is to uh, remove what is considered impurities and obviously the odor and the taste of the oil. However, many of these particles that are being removed are actually antioxidants like vitamin E that are naturally in the oil. So this process will raise the smoke point, which is a benefit, but many natural ingredients and nutrients are removed. The problem many people have with uh, this process, this chemical refining process, is that the oil is exposed to chemicals and heated at high temperatures several times. This makes the fat in the oil unstable and more prone to oxidation, especially if it's you know an unsaturated fat. The main chemical used to extract the oil from the crop seed is called hexane. And some people are worried about hexane because it can have toxic effects on the nervous system if it's inhaled. On the other side of the spectrum, we have our mechanically extracted oils. So as we talked about earlier, mechanical extraction has been done for centuries and uh, it's obviously evolved throughout time and become more mechanized. But it works by applying heavy pressure to things like olives or crop seeds. And this literally presses the oil out of the raw ingredient, out of the olive or out of the Uh, coconut or whatnot and uh, today a common mechanical extraction method is expeller pressed this process doesn't use chemicals which is good but it can create high temperatures due to the friction that is created when squeezing the raw ingredient and usually such mechanical extractions only yield about 65 to 70 percent oil and hence why so many companies you know, use the chemical refining process because the chemical refined process yields much, much more oil. There are also several companies that uh, do cold pressing to extract the oil, and this process is similar to expeller pressing, or it's pretty much the same thing. You're still physically squeezing the oil out of the, the, the source, but the temperatures here are kept at, at a low heat, so there's a controlled temperature environment. And companies that uh, use cold pressing try to maintain the temperature at around uh, around 100 degrees Fahrenheit or lower when extracting the oil. And there's no outside heat added to this process. So the final outcome is a product that has a higher quality than refined oils. And actually in Europe, this process is regulated and uh, cold pressed oils are truly cold pressed. I want to note though that in the U.S., There's not so much regulation on this. You might find oil that is termed cold press, even though it was extracted with a high amount of heat. That's why I really encourage you to do your research before you go buy any of these oils. Often you'll also find oils termed as extra virgin, especially when you go shopping for olive oil. Extra virgin olive oil is the purest olive oil uh, you can get. And since it's unrefined, it's not treated with chemicals or extracted with high heat, uh, it's... A lot. It has a really high quality. Actually, if you try extra virgin olive oil, you'll notice that it contains a lot more aroma and flavor and color, and that's because it didn't go through the refining process. It is well known uh, by now that this kind of olive oil, the extra virgin olive oil, still has many of the natural vitamins and minerals that are found in the whole olive. So through this uh, cold-pressing process that extra virgin oil goes through, Um, you know, a lot of the healthy benefits are still uh, kept in the oil. Realize, though, that since it has all these natural minerals and ingredients, uh, uh, extra virgin olive oil doesn't have a high smoke point. So I personally never really use it for cooking, but I do think it's a fantastic oil to add to salads or to your meals after you've cooked them. Now you know that it takes a certain amount of processing to extract any kind of oil. For myself, a good general rule is to avoid consuming the oils that require processing on a large scale, Uh, but I personally try to eat foods that have not been heavily processed. Uh, I don't do this always, but I've been moving toward that, and I feel a lot healthier. But anyways, that's just my point of view. I do uh, want to give you some tips on how to slow down the oxidation of your oils and fats so that you know they don't become rancid easily. However, despite these tips, I really, really urge you to uh, use your oil and don't let it go bad. All right, so as I just said, here are ways you can uh, slow down the oxidation of your oils and fats. So the first thing to remember is since air Heat, light, and moisture all speed up the rate of oxidation. It is extremely important that you take some measures of prevention against oxidation. As we said earlier, due to uh, the chemical makeup, saturated fats are less prone to oxidation, but that doesn't mean that they will never oxidize. All of your oils and fats should have minimal exposure to air. Make sure you have an airtight container, even for your butter. Another thing you can uh, do is to keep your oils in dark bottles or containers, especially for unsaturated fats because they oxidize so easily. By keeping them in uh, dark bottles, it'll minimize light exposure. Another tip you can implement to avoid light exposure is to keep oils in a dark cupboard far away from the sun because the sun really speeds up oxidation. Also, try not to buy oils that are high in unsaturated fats that come in light glass containers, light glass or plastic containers, because by the time they find their way to your kitchen, those oils have probably already been sitting in the supermarket shelves and have been transported around and were, were more than likely exposed to a lot of light. Another thing uh, you can do is to buy oils in small containers. This way you will you know use them quickly and you won't have to worry about them going rancid before you even use them. So lastly, please don't store your oils close to your stove. Heat speeds up oxidation and your stove or your oven those are all sources of heat so you kind of want to keep your oils and uh, and fats away from that you can put any oil or fat in the fridge and it's probably even better because then there's less problem you'll have with oxidation but uh, like i said i keep my butter and my ghee in the fridge and the rest i keep in a cupboard uh, in a dark spot just in case you were wondering the oils and fats that i have in my kitchen arsenal right now are cold-pressed coconut oil, extra virgin olive oil, grass-fed butter and ghee, red palm oil, and naturally refined avocado oil. I uh, usually cook with the coconut butter at medium heat. And if I have to cook at higher temperatures, I use the ghee or the naturally refined avocado oil. Both have a smoke point at around 500 degrees Fahrenheit. And actually, the avocado oil I use uh, is first cold-pressed and then naturally refined to raise its smoke point. So you don't have to grab or go to chemically refined oils. If you do a little research, you'll find some pretty cool companies out there that have really solid products. I have many oils and fats uh, that I don't heat up. Instead, I just add them to my meals after the food has been cooked. And my favorite fats and oils to add to my meals after I cook are butter, the extra virgin olive oil, and red palm oil. These are all unrefined and usually cold-pressed, and therefore they still have all those healthy antioxidants and natural minerals found in unrefined oils. If you want to find out more about the different smoke points that oils and fats have, I'll have a chart in the show notes or uh, in the blog post that we'll have this podcast on our website, which is com. All right, ladies and gents, that's already the end of our episode. Uh, I hope that you enjoyed the information and that you could take something away from it. Hopefully now you know that there are different kinds of oils out there and that there's different refining processes that can have an effect on the quality of the oils. And hopefully you can, you know, take some of this information and, uh, apply it next time you go out to shop for oils or fats or when you use them when cooking. If you liked our first episode, please leave a five-star review on iTunes. Also you can go to our website where we will be posting all of these episodes as well as blog posts in the future. If you do decide to go to the website, please uh click on the social media links and follow us. I have a Facebook page which is at the year of plenty. If you like what I'm trying to do with this podcast and you want to learn more about food and you know all the systems and processes that uh, allow us to have it come to our table, um, please like the page and you'll be getting updates whenever I upload a new episode or any new information that I found. I would also appreciate it if you went to the website theyearofplenty.com and left some comments under the blog post that will have this podcast episode in it. Just uh, some feedback so I know what to work on and how to improve in the future to make the podcast more enjoyable for you guys and more informative. All right. Have a good day. See you soon.